This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's going on, friends of the Rock Me cast? I'm holding in my hand a New York Times printout proving that the United States provoked Russia into invading Ukraine. Right now, the congressional Republicans are arguing about whether they should be funding the Ukraine war. And I'm holding in my hands an article from the New York Times basically proving that the United States provoked the country of Russia to invade Ukraine. Now, with this particular debate, there's always this great question is, are you just a conspiracy theorist? Or are you just kind of a, a right-wing nationalist or who doesn't, like, you, you don't have any proof? Like, where's your proof? So what has been the narratives of the Dems, the CIA Dems in Congress, and other people supporting the Ukraine war? The narrative is, is that Vladimir Putin attacked Ukraine with no justification whatsoever. They were just sitting along, planting their wheat, singing Ukrainian nationalist songs, and the big bad Russian bully attacked them for no reason whatsoever. Well, with this particular article, uh, this basically proves that that's not true. And it's all a gigantic lie. And I have a question I'm going to try to ask at the end of this about whether the CIA actually leaked this particular article. But let's just dive into the article at first and so you can read it. And so first off, this is by the New York Times. And the article was published February 26, 2024. And the title of the article is Spy War, How the CIA Secretly Helped Ukraine Fight Putin. It's by Adam Intus and Michael Schwartz. Now, I think the New York Times is a very incompetent and ineffective newspaper. So if you want to read it, I would rather read a high school journalist work than a year. I would trust that more. But that said, the New York Times still is considered the paper of record. People do trust it. It certainly could not be characterized as a pro-Putin outlet. And what I find very interesting about this particular article, and so what I'm going to do for this episode of the Rockney cast, is I'm going to summarize some key highlights of the article and then tell you what it means and ask why there hasn't been more reporting on this. I mean, there has been some but some of the best writing that I've seen on it is there's a, a world socialist, WSWS.org, an article by Patrick Martin summarizing this. There are some reporting on this article, but if you actually go to the New York Times, the Washington Post, NBC News, even Breitbart and Tucker Carlson haven't really reported much on this. And I think it's really important. So that's why, fear not, you do have the Ruckney cast, and I will help you understand what's going on and prove beyond all doubt 
that I was right and have been right about the new Ukraine war. So first off, let's get into the article itself. And I'm going to basically highlight three key aspects of this article that has not been reported on at all. So what's the first kind of takeaway from this article? The CI trained, cultivated, funded, and direct, directly assisted something called Operation Goldfish, going back at least 10 years into Ukraine. So keep in mind, this is way before the Russian intervention in the war. And what was Operation Goldfish? Well, let me highlight what Operation Goldfish was. So I'll just read from the article directly and tell you what it means. It's basically summarized. They were hit. They were doing hit squads and kill squads inside Russia, funded, trained, directed by the CIA. So it says beyond the base, this is from this New York Times article, the CIA also oversaw a training program carried out in two European cities to teach Ukrainian intelligence officers how to convincingly assume fake personas, steal secrets in Russia and other countries. The program was called Operation Goldfish, which derived from a joke about a Russian-speaking goldfish, which offers two Houstonians wishes in exchange for its freedom. The punchline was that of one of Estonians bashed the fist's head with a rock, explaining that anything speaking Russian could not be trusted. So he's like, oh, well, who cares about that? That is just Operation Confit. That's just spooks. You know, who cares? Well, it did something even deeper than that. They, Operation Goldfish, fund, train, and directed by the CIA, were soon deployed to 12 newly built forward operating bases constructed along the Russian border. From each base, General Kondratyuk said the Ukrainian officers ran networks of agents who gathered intelligence inside of Russia. The CIA officers, and this is, I'm quoting from the article from the New York Times, which is run by, I think, CIA-loving, uh, deep state-loving operatives. They, they wrote this, so consider for whatever that's worth. They said the CIA officers installed equipment at the bases to help gather intelligence and also identified some of the most skilled Ukrainian graduates of the Operation Goldfish program, working with them to approach Russian sources. These graduates then trained sleeper agents on Ukrainian Tory territory meant to launch guerrilla operations in case of operations. Now, some of you may say, well, I mean, this doesn't sound particularly good. I mean, they're just coordinating with intelligence. They're just sharing and gathering intelligence. Well, this gets to kind of the, the second key finding of this, that Operation Goldfish was not just sharing intelligence and you know just doing various things. They were actually sending out hit and kill squads within Russian-occupied territory in the eastern Ukraine and inside Russian-Ukrainian Russian territory, that is, behind the border, 
which we generally recognize as Russia. And some of it was with the direct authorization of the CIA. Some of it they claimed they didn't know. And so let me articulate some of these kill squad operations. So what were these kill squad operations? The Times article also identifies an assassination that occurred in 2016 involving a pro-Russian commander, Orsini Pavlov, also known as Motorola. And what happened in this particular kill squad operation? It says that one day after General Kondratuk was removed, a mysterious explosion in the Russian-occupied city of Donetsk in eastern Ukraine ripped through an elevator carrying a senior separatist commander named Arsen Pavlov, known by his nom de guerre Motorola. The CIA soon learned that the assassins were members of the 5th Directorate, the spy group that received CIA training. Ukraine's domestic intelligence AG had even handed out commemorative patches to those involved, each one with a stitch word with the word lift, the British term for an elevator. On another occasion, a team of Ukrainian agents set up, and I'm quoting directly from this article, an unmanned shoulder-fired rocket launcher in a building in occupied territories. It was directly across the office of a rebel commander named Mikhail Tolstik, known as Givi. Using a remote-controlled trigger, they fired the launcher as soon as Givi entered his office, killing him, according to U.S. and Ukraine officials. A shadow war was now in overdrive, says the article. The Russians used a car bomb to assassinate the head of Unit 2245, another elite CIA-trained unit. The commander... Colonel Maxim Shafbol was on his way to meeting with CIA officers in Kiev when his car exploded. And at that colonel's wake, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Maria Yovanovitch, stood in mourning beside the CIA station chief. Later, CIA officers and their Ukrainian counterparts toasted Colonel Shapovol with whiskey shots. The article also highlights intents to sabotage and kill people inside Russia proper, that is, inside the borders of Russia. So let me summarize this. Going back to 2014, 10 years ago, the CIA funded, trained, assisted, directed kill squads of Russians inside Ukraine, and also inside Russia, and also funded and built and constructed 12 forward operating bases right along the Russian border, going back at least 10 years. Now, one thing that's very interesting is that this supposed reporting does not identify any of the CIA activities prior to 2014, because as you'll recall with Vladimir Putin's interview um, by Tucker Carlson, he identified a CIA-inspired coup in 2014 called the Maiden Revolution. They don't identify or talk about that at all. Well, this is these supposed journalists, Adam Entus and Michael Schwartz, um, who I think are horrible reporters unless they do something on the activities before. 2014. So let's talk about the, th the, th the third aspect to this article. And this is why 
these journalists are either incompetent or they're malicious. There's really no two ifs, ands, or buts about it. And they think that people in the United States are completely dumb. And I think that they think, and the CIA thinks this is effective propaganda, because with all of these not-so-secret, hostile, these are hot activities, these are assassinations, these are murders, these are bombings against Russian agents, against people that are from Russia in Ukraine and also within Ukraine. And yet here's what the so-called journalists state. It said, towards the end of 2021, according to a senior European official, Mr. Putin was weighing whether to launch his full-scale invasion when he met with the head of one of Russia's main spy services, who told him that the CIA, together with Britain's MI6, were controlling Ukraine and turning it into a beachhead for operations against Moscow. Well, I mean, how can you not look at these facts and not make your own conclusion that that would be the case? What other inference um, could you make with that? What other decision would you think you would make based upon this reporting? And do you think that Russia may have had an idea that this was going on, where CIA officials are attending the funerals, where one of the people that they assassinated was on the way to meeting with a CIA operative? Yeah, I think that they knew that this was the case. But then look at this next sentence, and it says, but the Times investigation, these are these so-called reporters, found that Mr. Putin and his advisors misread a critical dynamic. The CIA didn't push its way into Ukraine. U.S. officials were often reluctant to fully engage, fearing that Ukrainian officials could not be trusted and worrying about provoking the Kremlin. Let me read that sentence again. But the Times investigation found that Mr. Putin and his advisors misread, misread. They did not understand a critical dynamic. The CIA didn't push its way into Ukraine. U.S. officials were often reluctant to fully engage fearing that Ukrainian officials couldn't be trusted and worrying about provoking the Kremlin. Okay, okay, so if, so I don't even know, you know, one time I heard Dinesh D'Souza and he talked about, God, sometimes I feel like a mosquito in a nudist colony. I don't know where to begin, but where do I begin with this just astonishing misstatement what in the hell is he talking about? If these people within the CIA, I think the CIA does need to be abolished. It needs to be reformed. We need to reform it in some way in which there are some critical operations, counterterrorism, these sorts of things. But if these CIA officials um, were actually so worried about what was going on inside of Russia, so they, they said that they were, the Times said that Putin misread what was going on with the CIA? He misread that. He he 
mis misinterpreted and that they were just reluctant participants. Okay, so what would you conclude if you were the president of the United States? So put yourself um, in the situation room. You've just received intelligence, let's say 10 years after 9-11, 2001, that the Mexican government has allowed 12 bases situated along the Mexican border of the United States. And some of those bases have been proven and shown to be conducting operations against U.S. agents operating within Mexico, as well as acts of sabotage, explosions, and murder within the United States. What would you do? Would you just say, well, I think, you know, it's probably just a gigantic misunderstanding. And I think those Al-Qaeda agents are just, they're just there to, to I don't know, just help. Do you really think this would be the uh, approach here? Do, do you really think that the United States president would tolerate 12 bases right along the United States border from a hostile power? And so you could say like, oh, well, we're not hostile. We're not hostile. We're just, we're just playing bridge and doing whiskey shots at, at funerals. That's all that it involves. But when you actually learn and have proof that those same bases are being used to conduct assassinations, so let's assume that all the assassinations of these Ukrainian units were only being done against Russian agents within Ukraine. Well, we have foreign agents operating throughout the world. If we determined, just as we did in the country of Jordan, where Ukraine, uh, Iranian proxies attacked and killed three American soldiers, we went after that base. We would not have tolerated that. Um, and, and so if you look at this particular situation, of course, he was provoked. And if Putin wouldn't have done anything else, I would have no respect for Vladimir Putin, of course. So the question that has been percolating for these last two years, and this has been the narrative of the incompetent CIA propagandists, because they're not very good at what they do, and also Anthony Blinken, the Secretary of State, and um, the press secretary, um, the Haitian woman, I forget her name, some French sounding name, Jean-Pierre and Joe Biden, is that this entire war was unprovoked. That it was just, just raw, naked aggression. And, he had, and Putin had no reason to go into the Ukraine. Well, how can you look at this particular set of facts and not say that the United States was actively provoking? And they said that they feared provoking. If you feared provoking Vladimir Putin, why would you put 12 bases right on the Russian border? That's provoking. If you feared provoking Vladimir Putin, why would you have your agency stop killing Russians inside and outside of Russia. If that's your fear, why would you do that? And number two, 
If this is the narrative about these secret operations, there's something very interesting about this article. Is they make this look like it's super detailed investigative reporting. The CIA doesn't want us to know this. Well, that's just a just a giant. If you don't think the New York Times is working in collaboration with the CIA, you are breathtakingly naive. I mean, they do admit this article is based upon more than 200 interviews with people inside and outside of Ukrainian government, the current and formal officials. The United States and Europe described a partnership that founded from mutual distrust that expanded. And many of these officials spoke on condition of anonymity to discuss intelligence and matters of sensitive diplomacy. In other words, for whatever reason, the CIA thought this was going to be persuasive, that somehow they've convinced themselves that this was good, that this was, these were good things to do. Well, I think one of the things, if you're acting for um, 10 years and you're actively trying to sabotage the Russian government and you provoke a war causing tens of thousands of, of deaths with a nuclear armed power, uh, you are breathtakingly incompetent, naive, and reckless. And we'll get into the big question that I have at the end of this particular podcast. But what if we find out that they've been totally lied? And that's directly what this demonstrates. But I think another basic hole in this article is not only what you see. I mean, that's the thing why these people are so incompetent. They have to explain why they didn't talk about this. All of the reporting is from 2014 to the present time. It, why is 2014 important? Putin claims that the CIA was directly behind a coup to topple a Russian-friendly government in the Ukraine to a pro-Western government in the Ukraine. Well, if your concern is, is that you're trying to give the full journalism facts related to this, why wouldn't you also disclose what went on in the 10 years leading up to the um, maiden revolution of 2014. The article doesn't cover that at all. They don't explain whether they looked into the CIA's involvement of 2014, what their role was or wasn't, wasn't leading up to that revolution, why they felt it necessary to topple a, a, a government that was friendly to Russia, is totally absent from this reporting. And, you know, one of the remarkable things with the CIA and their leaders in Washington, D.C., why did they want this out there? I think one of the things when you talk about risk factors, when you see a republic that is collapsing from within, is the, the, the ruling class can no longer understand what's happening within the domestic population. They don't understand them. They can't persuade them. They, they can't even make arguments that are even close to effective. And this is true with both national Republicans and national Democrats. Joni Ernst, Chuck Grassley have supported this Ukrainian war funding. Uh, and, and remember, part of the basis from this is that Russia has no basis to attack Ukraine. Zero. Zilch. 
no basis whatsoever. They were just a peaceful country that has been mindlessly attacked. Now you could say, well, the reason why they were involved is that Russia was very hostile within the Ukraine and that all of these activities in terms of the kill squads, the forward operating bases were necessary because of Russia's nefarious activities within Ukraine. And you can say that that was justified. But to say that the adversary here with Russia, the, the, the central argument has been is there's been no hot war between the United States and Russia, zero. And then in fact, what's going on in Ukraine has nothing to do with the United States desire to control um, Russia um, and to control its resources and to create instability. Why they would want to do this is astonishing to me because it's, it's a lose-lose situation and there's no good scenario for it. And this is something I've been trying to browbeat you all to understand for forever. So no situation is good. Let's say you win and you defeat Russia and the state collapses and they lose control of the nuclear stockpiles and a terrorist gets hold of them. How is that good? How is that? What they've, they've now been forced into the hands of Iran. I don't think Iran and Russia would have been a natural ally. How is it helpful that maybe Iranians get a hold of Russian technology, Russian bombs if the state collapses? You don't think that would happen? It totally would. If it doesn't collapse, which is what I had predicted, and it actually strengthens the Russian state, you find yourself with an even stronger adversary. Under no circumstances did this make sense other than rule by the incompetent, rule by the pussies. Ruled by people that are very, very weak. That you know, one of the, and the and the other thing that happens when a state is near collapse is that in traditional societies, the strong, the warriors, are the ones that lead. So the alpha provides the leadership to the group, to the to the but the grand of grand of band of guerrillas. They provide the leadership and they establish their leadership skills through fighting, dominance, and social hierarchy. But those same skills that make you a good warrior don't necessarily operate within a federal bureaucracy. In fact, just the opposite. If you're a warrior, you're out training, you're getting stronger, you're not sitting in a freaking office. In the bureaucracy, there's another set of skills for the eggheads, people that are weak or risk averse, the reason why they went into the CIA is because they wanted a stable job. They, they want security. They want a stable income. And they'll do whatever it takes if their boss tells them what to do. And so it essentially is a conspiracy of the lambs, the people that enter this particular profession. And they're weak. They go into the bureaucracy. They are not tough. They couldn't fight their way out of the bar, but they then get into positions of power. You get weak in the powerful positions. But the other thing that's happened now is that we've untethered the decisions made by these weak-minded people, and we've insulated them from the risks of their decisions, and we've made them benefit for making these decisions. And let me just demonstrate this for you very, very, very clearly. There's this troll called John Bolton. He looks like Yosemite Sam, and he fancies himself as a hawk, a foreign policy expert. 
that routinely talks about the virtues of attacking China, of attacking Iran, and attacking Russia. Now, when he talks about attacking Iran, attacking Russia, attacking China, does he mean that he would do that? That he would risk his own skin? That he would hit the front lines? No, 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 no. What he means is the, the sons and daughters of the working class would risk their lives to do this, to, to serve the toughness. Lindsey Graham would fall into this category. So this, and Joe Biden and his degenerate, crack-addicted son, where the leaders of the country don't actually face the tangible risk of going in to carry out their threats. And this is something relatively new in human history. Because having skin in the game for a leader gives some level of accountability to the decisions that they make. So if you talk about one of the great Viking kings, Harold Hadrada, was actually killed in the battlefield at the Battle of uh, Stamford Bridge in Britain in 1066 AD. The kings of those ages actually fought alongside their serfs. So they faced and shared the risks and the rewards of the plunder. Now we have a situation that is just the opposite. The people that lead the country, like John Bolton, like this wench named Victoria Newland, who is fat, out of shape, and pathetic, who has also been a hawk against Russia, she's not going to fight. Do you think Victoria Newland's going to fight? Victoria Newland could not find her way. She could not fight her way out of a paper bag. I have a wrestling team in my local community. They could kick the shit out of her. She is totally weak. So we have a situation where we have a double whammy. We have people that are extremely weak and pathetic ruling our country. We also have a situation where not only do they not face the risk of invading another country, but they're also rewarded by the military-industrial complex for making the sons, our sons, our daughters facing this risk by rewarding them with jobs, board seats, and these sorts of things. And we need to look no further than Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley has the only reason why she is in the office is that she's literally sold her soul for silver. Nikki Haley is like Judas. She is willing to sell out all of the Republican Party or a large part of them. And she's willing to do it in the ultimate act of treachery. And that treachery is, is that she knows that by continuing on with the campaign, what's in it for her? Not to help Republicans. She could give a shit. Nikki Haley wants the silver. She wants the gold. And she's selling her soul to get it. People like John Bolton did that long time ago. Anthony Fauci, long, long time ago. So we have a double whammy. The people that are creating risk in the system themselves are insulated from the risk, number one. And number two, not only are they insulated from the risk, but they stand to profit financially from those risks 
without facing the risk. People like John Bolton, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley, after she was the UN ambassador on behalf of Donald Trump, became really, really rich to the tune of $8 million based upon board seats by companies like Boeing. It's not because of her intelligence, but it's because of it's a way of legalized graft. And this particular, um, and that leads to these weak, ineffective people being in control. And it also gets to this giant question that we have here in terms of why would the CIA allow the New York Times and encourage the New York Times to publish this article? I mean, this is not the Pentagon Papers. You know, Jacques Teixeira, the, the, the Air Force National Guardsman, that allowed all these secrets to get out. No, this was this was published. This was published with permission and encouragement by the CIA, by the United States government, because over 200 officials within Ukraine, former and ex-Ukraine officials. So Ukraine would not have authorized this unless the CIA had given permission. I mean, of course. So the third thing, I think systemic risk that we face within our country is is the leadership class is now becoming untethered from reality. The CIA actually thinks that this article is persuasive to get Speaker Mike Johnson to support the Ukraine war. They think it's persuasive. They think this is a good argument. And that just blows my mind. Because this article by the New York Times demonstrates that the United States was funding and participating and directing a hot war against Russia. And that it was not unprovoked. It was directly provoked because Ukraine, Russia had said that the CIA was attempting to have a tip of a spear within Ukraine against Russia. That's what he said. And in response, the propagandists at the CIA and the United States government said, oh, that's a lie. It's not true. But yet this article says there were 12 foreign operating bases right along the Russian border. And these incompetent reporters at the New York Times said, oh, but Putin misread these the, the intent. He misunderstood that. It turns out, actually, guys, I have a, I have a lesson for you. Listen, Vlad. These were not forward operating bases. They were bridge clubs. And it turns out that the CIA was just drinking whiskey and playing bridge right along the Russian-Ukrainian border. And they had no nefarious purposes against you. They were just hanging out, having a good time, whooping it up with the Ukrainian buddies, getting laid, having fun, and just playing bridge. They weren't doing anything wrong. Those explosions that you have that you know they couldn't commit without the CIA, they were done by someone else that wasn't the CIA. And the other thing about this article, and I think the reason why the CIA has become so untethered, is they're actually saying that if Johnson doesn't support what's going on with the CIA's support of Ukraine, if he doesn't support that, that's Mike Johnson, Speaker Mike Johnson, that all of this could go away and we would lose all of these wonderful things that are happening inside of Ukraine. 
these people, um, CIA, I mean, if you want to like give me a consulting gig so I can actually tell you how to persuade, I'd be happy to do it. But this article not only doesn't persuade me that Mike Johnson should support. In fact, if Mike Johnson doesn't support this particular um, article as a reason not to fund this article, let me summarize here, class. This article proves and establishes that the United States government, Joe Biden, Anthony Blinken, and his goons have been lying about whether this was a provoked war. They've been lying about it, number one. Number two, that the United States was directly involved in hot war operations against the Russian people, number two. And they did that without a declared war between the United States and Russia. And number three, they've, they have, they talked about risking provocation with Russia, and they, they're they trying to avoid provoking Russia by putting 12 forward operating bases right along the Russian border. And none of that was disclosed. There's been no declaration of war. Friends, this, this shows that the United States government um, does need to be uh, moved. I think we should move Washington, D.C. I think we should move it to the central part of the United States. I think the interested states, the true states of the republic, should think about that. They they should think about withdrawing from what's going on. They should start pressuring people like Joni Ernst and Chuck Grassley. These are Republicans. They're supporting this. Um, this should not be happening. Because friends, let me let me just respond to an argument that I think that you may say, and you may be thinking this to yourself. Oh my God, you're just so naive. Trust me, the CIA, they know a lot of things that you don't know and that Russia really is going to try to take over the world. That's what Russia's going to do. They're going to try to take over the world. Friends, that is such a lie. And if you actually, but here's the other thing. So it's it's one of those things. Let's kind of put the shoe on the other foot. If Russia does pose that kind of threat that we need to risk nuclear war and that we need to risk a hot war with Russia. Okay, let's just go to that and let's just embrace that. That Cole, you are wrong. You are going to be proven wrong and he actually does intend to go to Berlin. And the Paris, and then in 50 years, we are going to be speaking Russia. Russia. This is an existential threat to the United States, and you don't understand what's going on. Let's assume all of that is true. If that's the case, okay, let's just assume that's true. Then on the flip side of that, Joe Biden is a motherfucking pussy and we should be declaring war in Russia. That is to say, if in fact they do pose that kind of threat, then I think we have no choice but to, to start a draft, to go on nuclear footing, to basically be um, to engage in hot operations against Russia. That, that that's what we should be doing. And we should be disclosing this. We should not be lying to the American people. We should be declaring war against Russia. Let's just let's just get it over with if that's the case. 
Now, by the way, I don't think that is the case. Now, let's just let's just play this self out. People talk about Russia being just this hellscape, hellhole, that is just this evil place. I have, I would have, well, I would have a fear if I went over there only because of because of what the CIA has done. But if if they they would probably vet me and just kind of figure out like we don't we don't fear this guy. I would have no fear whatsoever about being blown up, about being targeted. I, I suppose I would probably be monitored because they would probably think I was some sort of CIA agent, but they'd probably be like, yeah, oh, that guy's not a CIA agent. The quality of life that they have in Russia right now, it's not perfect, but from what they've been able to do in the last 25 years to go from a totally collapsed state to one of the strongest, most dynamically resilient countries in the world is an absolute miracle. What they did post-Chechen war to not only rebuild Chechnya, but to make it a dynamic Islamic state and to figure out how to peacefully coexist with a country that had been their mortal enemy. What they did in Syria, people forget the vital and critical role that Vladimir Putin had in stabilizing Syria to prevent it from being an ISIS caliphate. That wasn't because of the United States and people like Barack Obama. That was because of Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin is a tough guy. I'll tell you what he likes. And this is what basically all people like. They like order. They like stability. They like security of person. And Vladimir has delivered that for his people. He is secure. He is strong. He is pragmatic. He doesn't have the slightest desire to take over Poland. I think he probably does want... Lithuania, Latvia, and Estonia. I think that's probably does want that. We never should have gone in there anyway. Those were former Soviet republics. But here's the other question. Are you really willing to risk a nuclear war over Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia? Now, I like these countries because they're, they're former republics of the Vikings. Like, they have Viking influence. And like, Kiev, I actually love Kiev because the Kievian Rus were Vikings, and I love freaking Vikings. So, and the Ukrainians are badass in like the beginning of the war. Like, did you see certain of their, their like mayors? They were like six five, jacked, totally bad. Like, they could kick the shit out of Joe Biden. But here's the thing with Ukraine don't, don't saddle up with the United States. Do not do it. Saddle up with the tough guys like Vladimir Putin. You're going to be happier, you're going to be healthier. Your women are going to look better. You're not going to be, you're not going to become motherfucking pussies because that is the ideology of the Democrats. Democrats invite men to become like women and they weaken them and they make them pathetic. And that is exactly what Democrat ideology means. It means that you become weak. You become controlled by women. The women become untethered from what their proper role is. And the whole society peters on collapse based upon these sorts of degenerate, pathetic, and sick policies. And so that's it for this episode of the Rockney Cast. I wanted to, well, let me also highlight before we conclude, and I tell and I give you my um see you next time. One of the reasons why I will continue to delve into politics, because one, I just find it very therapeutic. And number two, I, I just think that right now, the, the media is still really incompetent. 
they haven't been writing with this issue. Like you, you can find out about this article. I'll put a link in the show notes to this. It does have a paywall, but I like to read it in the times just because yeah, you like to see what the what the propagandists are talking about and, and talk about how pathetic they are. But I haven't seen much commentary on this. This is an important issue. This we're, we're talking about a first hot war with a nuclear power in the history of humanity. We've, we've never had that. That has never occurred. And it just really begs the question, what justifies a hot war or a nuclear exchange or a substantial risk of a nuclear exchange? What justifies that? There are some things that would justify that. Obviously, an active nuclear exchange would justify a nuclear exchange. A existential threat to the United States probably would justify a nuclear exchange. So there probably would be some risks. But what evidence do you have that Vladimir Putin wants to take over Western Europe? I see no evidence of that at all. I see, yeah, I think he probably would like to influence Poland a little bit more, maybe Hungary. But is he going to really go to war? That would guarantee a super hot conventional war with Europe. Would he really do that? I kind of doubt it. I really don't think he would. So it really begs the question. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why are we doing this? And as you get these people that studied at Harvard and Yale and John Hopkins and Kennedy School of Government at Harvard, and they go to American University and they get their master's degree in foreign policy, and these people are total losers. So with this article, which is a very good article, which proves the United States has been lying, openly and brazenly lying, yet the CIA put this out. The only article that I, I could, I found a really good report um, by this Patrick Martin, and I'll include the link in the show notes. The New York Times report demolishes the narrative of the quote unquote unprovoked war in Ukraine. Yeah, it does. Um, and he talks about that. Um, he says that the, that the New York Times article demonstrates and details, quote, a longstanding, this is from this New York Times um article the wsws.org it details a long-standing central intelligence operations ci operations in ukraine in which the agency sponsored and built up the ukrainian military intelligence agency using it as a weapon of spying assassination and provocation directed against russia for more than a decade and it says quote this is from the new york times article Toward the end of 2021, according to a senior European official, official, Putin was weighing whether to launch his full-scale invasion when he met with the head of one of his spy services, who told him that the CIA, together with MI6, were controlling Ukraine and turning it into a beachhead for operations against Moscow. Well, that article demonstrates that. And um, (laughs) they highlight this, in other words, in this article by Patrick Martin, I've never heard of Patrick Martin, highlights this. It says, as the partnership deepened after 2016, 
Ukrainians became impatient with what they considered Washington's undue caution and began staging assassinations and other lethal operations, which violated the terms of the White House thought the Ukrainians had agreed to. Infuriated, officials in Washington threatened to cut off support, but they never did. And then he concludes, in other words, this is Martin, Ukrainian paramilitary forces that were armed, funded, and led by the United States and NATO were systematically assassinated forces supporting closer relations with Russia. It also says that this coup, and they're talking about the maiden coup, um, that the newspaper's account began with the maiden coup of February of 2014, when right-wing and neo-Nazi forces backed by the U.S. and European Union overthrew the elected pro-Russian president and installed a pro-imperialist regime headed by the billionaire Petro Poroshenko. And it says, this coup was the culmination of two decades of imperialist inroads into the former Soviet bloc, including the expansion of NATO to include virtually all of Eastern Europe in violation of pledges made to the leaders of the former Soviet Union. And the Times was silent on this earlier history as the role of the CIA in the maiden events. Now, when you use words like imperialism, you're like, oh my God, is this, this guy some sort of commie making just kind of wild bullshit claims? Is he just kind of pulling this out of his ass? Well, read the article for yourself. One of the great things about what we have in access to media is that you can read the article itself. And if you if if you can read this article, I'm assuming you can, and pay for it behind the paywall, um, and you can conclude that the rut that the war was not provoked. I, I just what what facts are you looking at that would suggest? that the war was not provoked, number one. Number two, what facts would, how would you do things differently um, if you were Vladimir Putin sitting in that situation? What, what would you do differently? As far as I can tell, what people like Biden and Anthony Blinken and John Bolton are saying, they're basically claiming that Putin should have just turned around, bent over, and taken it up the ass. That's what they think he should have done. Well, he's not going to do that because Putin is a fucking alpha male and he can kick the shit out of Joe Biden. He can kick the shit out of Anthony Blinken. He is a man's man. He is a tough guy. There's no question he could kick the shit out of most leaders. So that's one thing at least I respect about him. At least he has a pair of balls. And he's a fucking man's man. He's a dude. And so that's it. I mean, this is a podcast for dudes. And if you can support people like Biden, who has a degenerate, coat-riddled son, and people like Putin, yeah, I just, I don't know if, I don't even know if you're a dude. Putin is a dude's dude. And I'm just, you know, I, I just can't believe that you would continue to believe that this war was unprovoked. And if you do, and here's my other punchline, if you really, we've talked about the role that the United States should take, you know, in terms of if it does pose the existential threat. If you really do believe that Russia is going to take over Western Europe, you should start volunteering. Ukraine needs men. They need lots of men and women, because remember, women can fight just as well. Women and men, go fight. Bolton, line up. Newland, get your fat ass over there and join up. Join a tank regiment. Just do it.
I'm not going to do it because I think it's a totally bullshit war and it is totally unjustified. So I hope you found this particular episode um, enlightening, revealing. I hope you learned something from it. I hope I achieved what I set out to achieve, which was to give you some understanding of what's going on and to hopefully persuade you that this, this is really, really effed up and that we need to change course as a country because, mind you, we're spending all this effort right now spying and, and putting installations on another nation's border while allowing our border to become a total self. And that's a problem. And that's an issue. And I think that that is wrong. And it's just something that's not reported about. And you don't see the reporting in the New York Times or MSNBC or, I, I mean, it's funny because this article came out in the New York Times. And I haven't seen any art opinions in the New York Times talking about this, the meaning of the article that came out in the New York Times. And I, I don't quite understand why, but I, I, it's just, I, I, I think it's just, again, our leadership class has lost the ability to understand reality, that if this is the stuff your reporters are putting out, why wouldn't you put in the opinion states like this is a problem for Joe Biden, because it shows the linchpin of his analysis that this was an unprovoked war was a total and complete lie, as demonstrated by reporting from two of its own reporters. And the other thing, too, is is that reporters also didn't talk about anything leading up to 2014 to what Putin described as a coup of a friendly regime to Moscow that was perpetrated also by the CIA. The CIA has got to go. I think we should put uh, intelligence operations within the United States military. I still trust, for whatever reason, I still trust the United States military. Um, I do not trust the CIA. I think we do need to direct any sensitive intelligent operations within the United States military. We need to get the CIA. It needs to be blown up metaphorically. It needs to be rebuilt. And it needs to have a very specific missions. Thou shalt not spy on Americans, number one. Number two, thou shalt only conduct spying operations on um countries that actually pose a threat to the United States, to our personhood. Al-Qaeda, that was an issue. Now, regardless of whether Al-Qaeda was justified or not, I think that would be a classic example of what they were designed to do. But not this. Not to spy on political candidates like Donald Trump. Not to unnecessarily provoke great foreign powers based upon hostile military operations. Not to openly and brazenly lie to the American people. This stuff just has to be dealt with. So I hope I found hope you found this particular episode lightning illuminating. I don't know, maybe the numbers will bomb with this, but thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we are now sponsored by the Austin T-shirt Factory. If you would like to get a T-shirt, send an email to rockneycast at gmail.com. Give me your size. I will send you a T-shirt. Put promo code Austin there, and I will send you a T-shirt. Um, stay tuned for, I am going to do some health related. I'm still going to do mind, body, and spirit. We're still going to do that. But I just had to get this off my chest because these guys are so ineffective that I'm still not seeing people publicize this. So I'm kind of doing my part. I'm offering the voice that I have in support of freedom, liberty, 
our own country, American first, and yes, Donald J. Trump. That's it for this episode of the Rockney Cast. Until next time, you and I see each other on the Rockney Cast. <laughs>